Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Shop Talk Show for another week. This show is brought to you by two excellent sponsors this week. One of them is Treehouse. Teamtreehouse.com. It's education material for for the web and for iOS. It's so awesome. You go there, you sign up for a plan, you and, and you watch videos and, and learn, learn, learn about all kinds of different stuff and earn badges. And it's fun while you're doing it. And Environments for Humans at environmentsforhumans.com. They do uh, some in-person conferences coming up here. One of them is 2013.in Control Conference in Orlando, Florida, February 17th through 19th. It's still early bird pricing for that one. We'll tell you a little bit more about it later in the show, but for now, let's kick things off. <laughs> Welcome to episode 51 of the Shop Talk Show podcast, a podcast all about front-end web design and development. I'm Dave Rupert, and with me is Chris Tiffer Coyer. Uh, yeah, you know when I was a kid, they literally called me Tiffer, T-I-F-F-E-R. It's still held on. I was at Christmas this year, and one of my cousins I don't see very often called me Tiffer. Hey, Tiffer. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Tiffer. Who do we have on the show today? We have uh, the Drew, the Executor. Wilson, thanks for joining us, Drew. The destroyer of worlds, yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah, I did, I did yeah. that because, uh, or I that because there's a Drew. Uh, it just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna introduce Drew. I'm gonna hold on off, 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 off the executor thing just for one second. So, DrewWilson.com. You can go there if you want to see all of Drew's project, and it's kind of ridiculous. Drew gets like the award for. It says underneath your name and lightning bolt on DrewWilson.com, I make stuff, which is an understatement because Drew has a list that all of us would – it's just its just kind of amazing, really. Pictos popularized probably the first uh, popular web icon font. So it was a, you know, it's a series of like flat vector icons and you can, (laughs) good job. Uh, And then added onto that Picto server, which is a way to manage your icon fonts online and kind of pick and choose what you want and have hosted for it. It's amazing. Uh, Dialogues, a new thing called Spacebox for charging customers, even with recurring billing and stuff. Screeny, a Mac app for recording uh, uh, screencast kind of things. A conference organizer, VallejoCon, does open source projects you can check out. (laughs) Started a a whole community and website and blog to himself called The Industry. That list is crazy. That's not even all of it. You can check it out more about DrewWilson.com. I'm sure he's just sick of me talking about it right now, but, but, but what's interesting, and I think a good timing to have him on the show is because it's kind of like, how can you, we even get questions like this at Chop Talk Show, how do you do it all, that kind of thing, and, uh, and it's just like, you, I don't know, you just do, and so Drew and Josh Long, is that right, wrote a book yes. about how they do all this stuff, it's called the, the Execute book, you want to tell us about it? Yeah, yeah, uh, first I will correct you on one thing, uh, oh. it's Oops. ValioCon. Valio, I didn't call it Valio. Yeah, yeah, but I can understand how easy it is to make stuff, so no worries. Um, but, yeah, Execute is a book that Josh and I wrote. Josh had uh, wanted to write a book um, with me, and he's like, hey, this Spacebox thing you just launched seems like a pretty cool thing. Would you want to write a book about that? And I'm like, well, yeah. I'm like, I have this whole series 
of uh, books that I want to write in a series. And I'm like, but I have no time. And so like, this would be perfect. You can write it <laughs> and I'll write some of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it worked out good. So the book was on kind of like taking my example of, of space box. Uh, the first version I built in five days. And so taking that philosophy of execution and just turning it into a book and getting the philosophy fleshed out, getting like steps like fleshed out, like just making it really tangible. Um, and so that's what the book execute is about. And then I wrote a piece in the back, um, with my thoughts on different things. And the book is, is kind of from Josh's point of view, like after like talking to me much about the way I work and stuff like that, and also some things he's learned. So it's kind of like us mashed together and then I designed it and, um, and I'm working on the EPUB right now too, but the whole book was um, done and we were shooting for seven days, but we didn't make it. We did it in eight days. And the idea was when we had that first Skype call and he's like, Hey, I want to write a book with you. I was like, well, if we're going to do this book on executing, like it needs to be like an example of the philosophy. So I'm like, we got to do this thing fast. He's like, let's do it in five days. I'm like, that's impossible. You crazy, man. I'm like, let's do it in 10. He's like, well, let's do it in seven. I'm like, okay, fine. So we didn't meet the seven, but we, we did it in eight days. It was sent off to the printer eight days from that Skype call. And now uh, we're finally getting the ship shipments in from the printer. Um, it took a long time, but uh, yeah. yeah. You can yeah. buy it at executebook.com if you want. Executebook.com, eight-year-on dog. And, and it's tangible stuff. It's not like it's not like some back padding and some Nike just-do-it stuff, right? It's steps. No, no this is in eight days and it's all the stuff it's not in the marketing beating around the crap um it's just straight up real uh but i also have we could talk about later with the execute brand uh something i'm new i'm going to be doing with it that's pretty exciting but we could talk about that later if you want uh no do it now <laughs> <laughs> unless you want unless there's something that like seeds into it or something What's uh, let's, let's budget time at the end of the show. We'll, we'll budget like a, a two minute at the end of the show. That sounds good. Sound okay. Good? Yeah, because because we have some hot drama to talk about. So that you know, uh, 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 it's pretty good. It's pretty good this week. Let's actually, Dave has some that was a, you're a little fired up about this. So. Yeah. Well, there's quite a bit going on. So let me just uh, spin the old wheel of hot drama here, and uh, let's see. Well. Okay, number one was, did you guys hear about this? Google Maps, last like Friday, announced that they don't support Windows Phone because it doesn't support WebKit. So, there, so let me say that again. Google Maps Mobile, the, that team, for whatever reason, decided, hey, we don't support Windows Phone because uh, it's not WebKit. So Google Maps, when you go to maps.google.com, works at the moment, works best in WebKit browsers, which is like the vast majority of mobile browsers. But now that Windows Phone 8 is out or whatever, it has a browser in it as well that's not WebKit. Yeah. So Google Maps is just like, eh, we're just not going to support it. And what's weird is it did work before that day they decided it didn't. So so Google Maps Mobile just decided they'd quit supporting IE Mobile. Which is kind of weird because, like, Microsoft's or IE10 mobile even is pretty good. We'll talk more about that later. But, um, but like, it's pretty good reason to do it, you know? I mean, they, along with Apple, um, are the purveyors for WebKit. And if they want to push their own platform forward and get their own, uh, uh, 
uh, commits it, like their own features. Sorry, I'm trying to think of the word features. Their own features for uh, the web put out there. I mean, it's in, it's to their advantage to monopolize uh, the market. You know, well, that's surely why they made that statement. Yeah, 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 but that's like that breaks the internet. Like they're basically saying, "Oh, we're WebKit only," just like Microsoft was. This is browse. This is best viewed on Internet Explorer six. That was that was every website all the way up until the year two thousand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it's just like Google has suddenly decided in the mobile sphere they're going to be the champs this time around. So I just I think with things like Firefox OS, like a totally bootable Firefox coming out, like being WebKit only is sort of sort of dangerous. Also. You know, it kind of breaks the fundamentals of the web. And then I'm sitting from a JavaScript perspective, like, what did they do? Like, what API are they using that's WebKit only? Like, what what could they possibly be using that wouldn't be supported in another browser or degrade gracefully? That's where it's probably I'm, something that they want to release or that they're working on that they want to push out. You know, but I mean, it has to work. Their Google Maps works on like old Androids. You know? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Maybe it's something new. Yeah, I don't know. I just find it very interesting that they did that. But then they suddenly backed out of that statement on Monday. They said, that was Friday, they dropped the bomb. And then on Monday, they're like, oh, no, just kidding, bro. We do we, we support it. And now it works on Windows Phone 8 again. Mm. So it could have, that, that speaks to it could have been something new. Internal. It is interesting how people feel differently about the web than they do about any other app, right? If so there's some amazing navigational app, and all you had to do was click a button to download it, and then it's on your in your thing. People don't people don't bat an eye. You know, like, oh, I have to download it. But if it's on the web, they're like, hey, it should work everywhere. I shouldn't have to use something different to use it. Uh, which you know, I, I just can see both both sides of that argument as well. You know, yeah, it's good for the web or whatever. But the, it's but in reality, it is just you know, it's just download something I, I think of it in context of code pen sometimes and like we have these some like some really cool features that we might use WebRTC for some stuff and and it's like oh it only works in a few browsers so i'd be like i don't even care well if you want to use the feature use that browser then i just like, yeah. have no problem saying that well it's a free service i mean like google maps is it's like you know whatever they say goes obviously for better or for worse but i don't know i but, think it's pretty cool can you guys accept can you guys accept that? Like in the future, we'll have to use certain browsers to use certain things. Like your bank is only Safari 3.2. That's how it's always been. That's how it's always been from day one. Like every browser, like looks at the standard and decides, yeah, I want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. Let's put that up later. And so that's why every browser has different support for different things. And, it's freaking annoying. I hate the fact that there's so many browsers because I have to always code for different ones. I can't stand it. Things like jQuery make it way easier. But, um, yeah, I wish that there would be the exact same human being in charge of every browser to say, implement all these at the same time. Like, but then there would be no difference in all these browsers, so what's the point? Uh, I think the point of having different browsers in the, in the, in the long term is so people can push new cool ideas out into the world, see if they work, right? So Adobe's doing some cool stuff with the filters that they put into the spec. We'll see who ha- hops on that first, you know, and gets that first, and then we'll see if those are actually useful and if everyone implements it, right? So that's the purpose of having different browsers is for innovation, right? But um, 
it's a pain in the butt sometimes when you're developing for different browsers because it's, there's like this really rad feature and like, oh my gosh, if I could use filters, I wouldn't have to like do all this stuff in Photoshop. I wouldn't have to work with images. Everything would be faster, smaller file size, way better. But you can't. You can't make a full production project relying on one browser unless it's going to be something free for people to use, you know? So, I don't know. It's good and bad, I guess. That's what's so hot drama about it all. It's, you can really, there's definitely two sides to this thing. Well, yeah. Actually, on that note, more hot <laughs> drama. Uh, on the flip side, uh, there's been some posts going around in the uh, responsive web design realm, which I'm sure all of you guys hang out. You follow the RWD hashtag, which is filled with beautiful marketing posts. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, – yeah, so Microsoft uh, inadvertently, I believe, I don't know, maybe intentionally, broke Meta Viewport on Windows Phone 8. So th- this is kind of like the flip side of the thing is like – if you used Meta Viewport, it's weird. So if you use Meta Viewport on Windows Phone 8, it works great because it's, uh, you know, IE10 or whatever. Which means there's a meta tag in your head, right, that says Meta Viewport equals and then some values. That's yep. what you're talking about. Yep. That works good on Windows Phone 8. But in this thing called IE10 Snap Mode, which on Windows 8 you can, like, pin a browser, like, a column of browser into the sidebar um, of your app. So if you think, if you guys are in the Talk.io ch- chat room, you could like pin the the Talk.io into the browser if it's totally responsive. And then it just sits in this column to the left while you're doing something else. Like That doesn't support Meta Viewport. That, that doesn't support Meta Viewport. You have to use this new property called at MS Viewport in your in your in CSS. the CSS files in yeah. different place, right? In MS Viewport, it's actually at Viewport, and it was proposed by Opera. So you know, so it's like, and I think Opera is going to support it soon. But um, so you'd have to use at you know width equals device width in at MS Viewport with device width. That makes it work in snap mode. That makes it work in snap mode, but that breaks it in Windows Phone eight. So then on Windows Phone 8, the site would render at 768 pixels wide. So it's this like hot drama of like they added this feature, but then it breaks another thing. So anyway, uh, I think the responsive dudes are on it or they're they're blogging about it and documenting it. And uh, I think the last I saw it was Ray Bango was doing something about it. So Ray Bango. Yeah, I wonder if it's like Apple's um, add to home screen where it's not using uh, the built-in WebKit; it's using a web view, and oh, yeah, so it has I mean. less features. And it's a subset. That's probably why I can't handle that. Um, like, if you ever add um, an app, or if you ever on the web and you you create a web clip, you know, you add the website to home screen. That when you pull it up from the home screen is using a web view. And web views, unlike Safari. And any app on the App Store um, uses that uses a web view has slower JavaScript and slower uh, CSS painting. So, if you notice, if you're if you're on like for instance my Spacebox app and you're on iOS five and you add it to home screen, you'll notice that the JavaScript doesn't move quite as fast and the, and the CSS transitions aren't quite as smooth. Dude. iOS six is way better, and I can I can barely even notice the difference between them. But um, uh, it unfortunately. Uh, they don't get all the the cool hardware accelerated stuff that 
the built-in Safari does. And the same goes with any browser you download on iOS. If you download Chrome for iOS, it's using a web view, so it's going to be vastly slower, especially if you're on iOS 5, than Safari is. There's literally no way to speed it up. Bummer. That's that's weird. So it's two different deals. I like yep. Chrome on iOS, but it, but I, I don't, you know, I, I haven't used enough of it to, uh, to yeah, notice it like, really being if slower. If you use a JavaScript-heavy website on Chrome for iOS and then go use it on Safari, you'll notice it. It's mm-hmm. much yeah. slower. I, I was developing some beef this week for uh, add to home screen. Um, you know how like in now apps, like if you go to a website and they have an app in the app store, they'll like have that like bar at the top. That's like, you know, it's mm-hmm. a new iOS 6 feature. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't they? Is have- that right? You don't have to design that yourself. You just, that yep. just comes it's along. A new the yeah. You just had a meta tag. So oh. why why can't that be for web apps too? Like like let's say Spacebox, you know, you you just say, you know, this is web app capable and then it like pops because in. Because they pull that information for you. You just put in like your uh app ID and it goes and pulls like the title and all that kind of stuff for you. I just think it'd be really helpful if like, you know, web, web apps were kind of first class in that manner. But I guess that's so their, that their money. It's just a meta tag. So why can't you do it in something like Spacebox? Well, but the meta tag's only for app store. Yeah. It's yeah, not it's for only- web app capable or whatever. Oh. So with Spacebox, I spent a bunch of time making sure that add to home screen is like super grand and awesome. Because here's the deal. When you create uh, a web clip, which is what they're actually called, which is an add to home screen app. It's called a web clip. When you create that, um, every time you open it, it refreshes the page. So, for instance, if you rely on session-based uh, logins, like we're using a server session, server-side session, um, as soon as like they close the app and go back in, they'll have to log in again. <laughs> it's a horrible experience. So I had to create my own custom session handling um, to handle it, and it works great now. And so if you create a space on Spacebox... Um, I put in all the correct meta tags and everything to handle all different devices. So that way, when someone clicks to add it to their home page, your little Spacebox logo will show up as the home screen thing and the correct title and all that jazz. Uh, it's pretty fun to work with because it's it's cool. Like anytime you make space, you have your own app essentially, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's a super cool feature. But for yeah, for web for web apps, it's not first class. So you have to make your little bar um, that says down at the web clip, That's and even. I can't remember if there's any uh, format to add it to a clip. I think, no, yeah, there's not. You have to literally tell the person, uh, click, click the little you know arrow below and click add to the screen. Like, you can't, like, there's no, like, button to do it. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I just, I just, I there's web app capable or the, like, like add to home screen apps. They have like weird problems too. It's like if you auth- try to authorize and it's not just an Ajax call, you'll like pop out to Safari and never get back and stuff like that. So, and there's ways around it, which are, is all built into Spacebox. You have to. <laughs> it's documented. It's just unfortunate that it doesn't work that way automatically. Any time that you link to something, it'll link you out of that window. So you have to add in one JavaScript rule, and basically. Uh, Every link inside a home screen app is a underscore blink, a blank, target blank, you know, mm-hmm. um, what forces it to be. So you have to go into this JavaScript rule. You just add one rule that applies to all your links, and you just change it to self. Ah, uh, uh, really? Or anything like that. It's just, it's just an event that you That's have to send. That's gross. 
So, I mean, I get it, but what? Hacky, hack, crap. hack, hack. Yeah. Anyhow, well, that's enough hot drama uh, for this week. I, I mean, the the big drama, of course, was the diversity at uh, conferences. Well, I think it was relevant to talk about because it, Drew it a boiling a conference this week. But yeah, yeah, Drew, go ahead, Chris. Sorry. Well, the, the background of it, if, if anybody watches, listens to this show and, and nothing else really is this, it's always a hot topic really is the kind of, and it, it's usually focused on women and that, so there was, you know, and, and of course it's, a, it's one conference that kicks it off. So in the case of this conference, it was just a huge list of, of white males and people get mad and, and, you know, like, like not, not, and not in that kind of like, I oh, break the web kind of, I don't know, like really, uh, I'm doing a terrible job of it's, introducing it's, this. But. It's not like care mad. <laughs> it's offended. People are kind of genuinely offended. that I think the conference in question had 17 to 22 dudes picked out. Like all dudes, not a single woman or anything. So that that was sort of like... Huh, that so then there's a bunch of blog posts end up going out about it. And then even like Andy Rutledge made this like one off page kind of making fun of the people who are offended by it and how everything in the world doesn't need to be uh, as diverse as all that. And then conference organizers chime in and be like, uh, you know, we're not evil people here. It's just kind of hard. And so anyway, well, neither of us have organized a conference, but Drew has. So maybe he has some thoughts. Yeah. Um, I guess it's all like, as a from a conference organizer standpoint, um, it's like who do you want to reach? Who's your target? You know, um, and if you only want to reach dudes and some girls who come who don't care, I mean, whatever, that's fine. I mean, if you don't want to go to the conference, don't go to the conference. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's just like if someone if someone comes out with a new kind of bread that's orange, if you don't want to eat orange bread, don't eat orange bread. Uh, I don't think anybody who's organizing a conference has any intention to like offend anybody else by who they pick. Um, the reality of the situation is, is our industry is, uh, there's many more males than there are females. Um, and from my, from my personal experience, it's very hard, uh, to find a female who wants to speak. Um, that's just from my experience. I'm sure it's not everyone's experience. There's plenty of girls who speak and women who speak all over all the time. Um, but for conference organizer perspective, you're, you're selecting people. I mean, there are some organizers who are like, Hey, who wants to speak at this conference? And then whoever try, like sends it, sends it back like, yeah, I want to speak. They'll let it. But for yeah. a lot of conferences, most conferences, it's not that way. It's like the organizers hand picking certain people based on what, done or what they want them to talk about. And that's how I do it too. I pick based on like, like for me, ValueCon all about uh, inspiring people and people who are doing a lot, right? Doers, not talkers. So, I pick people who have like recently or or have a track record of pushing out a lot of stuff, and so I'm limited in who I select to that on purpose. But I'm limited. Like that's like one of my main criteria. These people have to be one of those people. Um, and so, I mean, I personally have asked. I've asked more girls than I have guys. But um, this year is going to be way more guys because uh, the girls turn me down. <laughs> um, so I'm still looking for a few more. But um, no, it's definitely something I'm conscious of. And, and even without this hot drama thing, like, it's something I want because there are girls who come to the conference and I want them to hear from another, another girl because like, you can relate more. So um, I think yeah, that'd be so awesome. You're actively trying to, to be better at it. Which is good, and I think that's what, what a lot of the hot drama people ask: is that we just are more conscious about it. Yeah, perhaps. But it, 
not as easy as you would think. I mean, no, I'm sure it isn't. People who are not comfortable with talking in front of people, and it's totally fine. Um, but it's just the way it is. I'll tell you what, 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 this is the one thing I have to add about this, and I I, I try to avoid it for most of all, but if I were to ever throw a conference, I would do what you're doing. I would would make dang sure there's a good amount of diversity there, just because it's not good business at this point to risk the fury, you know? And And I wouldn't like to think that's why I'm making it diverse. I would like to think that my goals and aspirations are higher than that, and they would be, I'm sure, but... It would be on my mind, certainly, that if I screw up this diversity thing, I'm going to get the fire. So it's going to give me motivation to make it diverse just to avoid the drama. Yeah, it's Uh, being diverse with, like, quality content, right? Like, if you, like, ValueCon, like I was saying, it's got to be people who are doers. I don't want to have someone speak there, male or female, who's not a doer. And I don't want to put them on there just because they're a male or a female, right? So you still got to weigh that, too. It's like you want to keep the quality of your conference up. Um, and you want to keep everyone inspired, but at the same time, you do want to be diverse because the crowd, whether or not the speaker list is diverse, the crowd is diverse, right? And so I want I want the crowd to take something away. I want them to be inspired. And, um, sometimes it's easier to relate to people more like you. So, indeed. All right, Q and A. We, we <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, but I should do a sponsor. We're we're, we're halfway through here. I'm going to do Treehouse. Uh, uh, this is the, they've been with us a couple of weeks now. It's uh, uh they've sponsored CSS Tricks for a while too. It's such an awesome um, uh, service. God dang it! I'm trying to go to their website so I can see if they have any awesome new stuff on the on the home anything to watch. But you know what it is? It's web training. It is, it is, you know, you sign up for a service there and you can learn how to build a website, learn how to build a web app, learn how to build an iOS app, learn Ruby on Rails, learn PHP, all this different stuff from, from courses broken up into like a path. So learn this first, learn this, learn this. You earn badges as you go. You got to do quizzes to kind of force yourself to learn it. You know, it's one thing to watch the video, but it's one thing to watch it and then have to take a quiz after and prove to yourself that you've kind of learned these things. That's what Treehouse does. So, uh, it's, it's pretty sweet, really. If, I think, uh, 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 let's see. Uh, I think if you go to, actually, if you go to cssstricks.com and use the link from there, you get a week or something like that. Uh, I don't want to promise that. <laughs> <laughs> I forget the deal right now, but it doesn't matter. It's so inexpensive anyway. Uh, I like that one of their goals this year that Ryan Carson said on his blog is that he's trying to, to get a lot better at the job placement thing. They're already pretty good. If you go to lynda.com and sign up or whatever, even though they've sponsored before, and they, they have more content than Treehouse does, but Treehouse is going to help you find a job. So it's kind of interesting weighing which one you're going to sign up for. I've tried both, honestly. You know, I hate to <laughs> bring up other competitors during the ad that way, but you know, we're, we're real people here. I mean, this is the, that's real talk. That's the, that's what you, you face talk. as a consumer kind of when you, when you're deciding stuff like this. And I know we've advertised both and I have no problem with that because I've, I've tried and used and watched videos on both, but I think, uh, whatever. Would you have anything else to I say about this? Josh say- Long works there, the co-author oh, on yeah. Execute, doesn't he? Yes, he does. And don't you do a lot of stuff with them? Or you're, you're like one of their contributors or something, right? I'm not a contributor to, to Treehouse. For the, I think there, I don't know if this is a secret. I guess, I guess I better shut up about it. But uh, I think they're thinking about having people in. But for, for a long time, Treehouse was like, if you do a, a, a course for Treehouse, you work for Treehouse. Ah. You know? That's cool. which is Which is different, again, than Linda, who, where um, they kind of solicit authors in 
can just be anybody, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder what their philosophy is on that. You know, like somebody decided on high that that was that was that was the way to go. We're not going to import teachers. We're not going to have them work there. I think, I think it was. I think they, they do it for the professional quality because, like the the people like on the videos are very well spoken. It's not me saying um um urder. Well, you can enforce quality without. That's true. Crafty editing, but <laughs> but I guess I was just going to say they. Uh, the the fact that they're trying to like place people in jobs is awesome because we get lots of questions here at Shop Talk. They're like, "How do I get a job?" and stuff like that. And it's well, now it might be go to Treehouse and they'll give you a job or get you one somewhere. Well, at least try. I mean, I, I, I'm sure they can't make promises about that. So. There you go. Yeah. Free job. There, there you go. <laughs> Free job if you said that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, you hear here first, Tell Samuel. Hayashi. Hayashi. I should, Hayashi. Sorry. Dang it. I should have had the. Is that a Japanese? Am yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I'm a complete newbie when it comes to the usage of CDNs for the purpose of speeding up websites. I've got my eyes on this after I started to use the W3 Total Cash plugin for WordPress and taking a look at the CDN options for this plugin. Uh, do you guys know of any good CDNs to use on a personal website? Are there any good free ones? Is there uh, uh, is this really an effective way of speeding up a website? Drew, you got any? Do you use CDNs on a regular basis? I do not use them on a regular basis, but I have experience with them. If you go to cloudflare.com, I believe they still have a free tier. Um, but Cloudflare is probably the best thing to use for your individual personal website to speed things up. Um, it's a little different than a traditional CDN. They have a lot of trickery and magic they use. Yeah, it um, kind of like sits in the middle of, of like a web request and your server, right? However, that. Do you have to point your yeah. DNS at them? for it to work right uh i don't know i think they kind of hijack all requests like through a plugin on your wordpress oh yeah they yeah they work more with just um wordpress but yeah work with anything but cloudflare cloudflare would be a good place to start i mean you could always use amazon's uh cdn which if you're using sd already it's pretty pretty easy to switch over but if you're using yeah Actually, what's crazy about this is, okay, for Spacebox, everything that you upload in there is secured and then stored in S3, and only uh, you can only access it through signed requests, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then so I was like, okay, this is kind of cool, but I want the down- if people want to download their files, whatever, I want it to be faster. So I switch over to Amazon CDN and from S3, and you have to do these different kind of signed requests, uh, just a little bit different, but it's the same idea. But the load time on those was literally two times slower. <laughs> two times. And I tried everything. I did so many tests. I'm like, this is just mind-boggling. This is horrible. So I was like, whatever. I just, and I went back to S3 because it's twice as fast. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, wow. blew my mind. I was like, this is so weird. I'm like, okay, maybe it's faster still if, you know, for regular content that are unsigned files, right? Files mm-hmm. that just access in the URL bar without any signature. But... S3 is files. a CDN technically, right? But it's also just like straight up asset storage. Like if you just need st- a place yeah, to store stuff. It's straight as straight up asset storage. But um, yeah, it, I mean it is a CDN. The thing is uh, with Amazon's Edge Net. If you go to their CDN, you get on their Edge Networks. Mm-hmm. 
Whoa. Whoa. What was that? So CloudFront is their CDN, and you'll get on their, what they call their edge network or whatever. So basically they super fast cache service. So all your, your files get cached and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, the browsers already cache them, you know. So if someone's revisiting your website and you're going to look at your images again and it's been any time recent, they'll already be locally stored in their browser. And so they're not going to pull them again. So really CDNs, I mean, they're useful for like, if you have like a tech blog or something that gets hit a lot by a lot of different people and they've never seen this thing before where you have a lot of new content, right? Um, then you'll want to have them cached on a server somewhere. And that's what a CDN is used for. But if you're just, if you just have a personal website and you get hit by the same people a lot, then you don't need a CDN because they're already, those images are already cached in there. That's a good point. I would say to people that have no, have you've never installed a CDN ever before, that it's one of the lamental hurdles I remember going over was that it's not like it's not like you sign up for a CDN. It's just like another web server, and you like you like use an FTP client or something, and you log into it, and you put your images up there, and then you go through your website, and you like point the image URLs at those ones on the CDN now. It's not as manual of a process of that. Like if you're using this W3 Total Cache plugin for WordPress, for example, it just you just build your website how you normally would. You host your own images on your own server and stuff. And this plugin kind of like rejiggers those and repoints those at the CDN. And if the CDN is missing that file, it'll just grab it from your server and then all future requests will be routed to the CDN. It's kind of an automatic deal once it's set up correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just if you've never used a CDN before, that's kind of how it works. It's just, it's kind of a set it and forget it, <laughs> kind of. Uh, yeah. Anyway. I would, I would recommend Cloudflare. Um, there's also, you know, like Akamai and stuff like that, but then you're getting into like enterprise levels and stuff and prices. So I would, I would just try, try out Cloudflare, take it first, Ben. I'm sure you can do month to month, and it's probably like seventeen dollars or something. I don't know, but if you're on S3, switching over to cloud, um, not Cloudflare, cloud. Uh, what the heck is it called? Cloud? That's cloud. What's Amazon's? Uh, we just said it. Cloudfront. Cloud. 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 No. Just switching over to Cloudfront is super easy. If you're doing signed, if you're doing encrypted signed files, then it's a little more, but um, it's super easy to switch from S3 to Cloudfront. Good. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Well, let's go to the next question. Jack Shade writes in and says, I'm about to launch a small web design studio, two people strong, and I'm currently working on a couple of websites for the studio. We are wondering what we should do about copyrights, licensing for websites themselves, and the name of the studio. Are we supposed to apply somewhere, pay something, or just slap a copyright symbol in the footer? Dang, business one-on-one, right? I think it's interesting. How many websites do you go to that have a that say copyright two thousand? Probably a lot of them say copyright two thousand twelve right now, but probably should update to thirteen. Or does that matter at all? Does that add any protection to your website whatsoever? Just to put that text in your footer? Yeah, it's called common law. So with a copyright, if you claim copyright on your stuff, it's called common law, and it actually upholds in court. So if someone were to take you to court over uh, a copyright infringement, and you had a common law copyright on your on your stuff it doesn't have to be website it could be anything uh that will uphold in court as long as the it depends on who like what court you're in but yeah in the US you, anyway if someone else claims copyright but you've had it 
common law copyrighted longer than they have, you'll win out and stuff like that. And it holds up against actual companies like who have copyrighted stuff, I think, for like a year. So there, there are, if you, if you wiki common law, you can find out more about it, but it does help. And if you're going to, I, I myself have only done this a couple of times because I always forget, but if you're going to put a copyright in your footer, do it on a server, on, unless you're doing cached HTML pages, do it on a server side language and change that year to be in server side code, whatever the current year is. So you never have to. Up- yeah. Yeah. That's a super common question. And, and do you put like, do you put the year uh, range or should you just put the current year? And like, and does that, that's, that's just for the content on that. Like so you publish a blog post or something. If, if Jack, if your web design studio is called like super Jack studios, it doesn't protect you can't just declare that that's that the name of that studio is yours forever by that copyright. So that's a different scenario, I think. Right. You would need a trademark if you're trying to sue somebody over whatever Jack, Cool Jack's studio. Yeah. Do you ever get trademarks on your stuff, Drew? I've done work before. I'll never do it. (laughs) Uh, No reason to. Like, uh, if I was going to come up with like some new cool crazy company that I was going to have employees and all that kind of jazz, then maybe I probably would consider it. But the thing I trademarked was years ago. <laughs> it's called Humanimals. That's a human and animals, and it was a, like a greeting card, kind of like silly, funny greeting card web app that I was going to do. It was the year 2002, and I was trying to figure out how to make greeting cards. We we're going to have printed ones sell in like grocery stores <laughs> and do the web thing. Um, and so I trademarked the name Humanimals. And I had to send in like a mock-up card and all this kind of stuff. But, and it was extraordinarily expensive and I'll never do it again. And if you'd never did, it probably wouldn't have been a big deal. Yep. Yeah, really went with that. I, <laughs> I wouldn't worry about that stuff until you have lawyers on staff. <laughs> then, then it's time. So, My buddy who, a personal trainer, he, um, he has his, his name. It used to be called Hard Body Personal Training. And someone else in the same city had that name. Um, but because she had trademarked it, she was able to tell him, hey, sorry, you have to take your name down because I actually trademarked this. And Otherwise, she would not be able to take any legal action against him. So it helps you out there. We've got some fun ones at Shop Talk Show, just because when we started ranking higher for the keyword Shop Talk, there's like a bunch of, there's other things that are kind of called Shop Talk, but they're totally unrelated. We got a few emails of people like, hey, they, they, the gist of their email is they're mad that they don't rank as high for Shop Talk, the term anymore. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, can I, can I send you some flowers? Welcome to SEO, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. That's interesting. I wonder, I wonder if, like, 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 like because, because we do, we do web, web stuff, we're inherently. <laughs> we have more SEO because we do web stuff. Yeah, we, we have, often have an unfair advantage, I feel like. We have an unfair advantage. Dun, dun. There's some drama. Awesome. Trademarks are restricted to uh, specific categories. So if someone has a trademark in food for Shop Talk, they can't do anything to you. Oh. Yeah, that's cool. That's useful. Although it's probably not going to happen for food, but it could for like, uh, you know, g- garage or whatever fits your car. First, you can find that information out. Awesome. Well, should we move on, Mr. Chris?
Sure. Let's do our sponsor, our longtime excellent sponsor, environmentsforhumans.com. They have this in-person conference coming up February 17th through 19th in Orlando, Florida. I've been the last couple of years. It's a really nice conference where the uh, the hotel and the venue is the same place. It's this nice hotel. Good food, good hanging out, and it's called the In Control Conference. Uh, both Dave and I are going to be there, so that's pretty cool. Uh, it's still in the early bird thing. So you, it's cheaper now. It's the cheapest it will ever be to buy a ticket, um, for this thing. So check, I think that ends January 17th. So you have one week from today to get in on that. And you can save even more money if you use the coupon code shop talk show. All one word there, obviously. And, uh, that's an, an additional hundred bucks off. So that's pretty significant. You could, you know, like print out the sign up page for it to give to your boss that has the full price on it and then use the Shop Talk Show discount and get reimbursed with it. If, you know, you might as well try to, try to work some shangings like that. Spend the hundred bucks on something else, like Code Pen Pro or something or whatever. Whatever you want though. <laughs> anyway, check it out. I'm, I'm, I'm totally excited about this one. I'm actually, uh, got the, got my flights booked and looking forward to Orlando. Treehouse is in Orlando, by the way. So I'm going to visit my friends at Treehouse there. They have a super cool office there. Rat. Anyway. Rat. In control. It's going to be good. It's going to be sweet. Go to it. Patrick Neal, we have an audio question for you. Hey guys, this is an opinion question about freelancing after work. If you work in a typical eight-hour day and want to tack on a side project, what is a reasonable number of hours, in your opinions, to allocate for the side project? Uh, deadlines aside, of course. Thanks. Okay, Drew, you're kind of the king of side projects, so how, and then after an eight-hour day, how do you allocate time for a side project? Well, my eight-hour day is full of side projects. So. <laughs> Did you ever so, do, like, like, freelance, just straight eight-hour day freelancing? Uh, I always did freelance, but I never restricted myself to eight hours. I I started freelancing in full-time 2002, and then I got out of it 2009. Um, but, yeah, for, for doing side projects while you're freelancing, um, I would consider side projects, um, if they're going to be – if it's going to be a project where you're going to make money from it, it's going to be something you sell. I would not consider it a side project. I think that's not really the best attitude to have because then the product won't end up being a side project. It won't end up being a real product that has more into it. So I would consider it a venture. Um, and there's no easy way to do it. You always have to take a risk. So if you take a risk and you turn down a few client jobs to, to a lot more time to work on this product, um, then you're taking a risk, and, and hopefully it will pay off. If you put a lot of hard work into it, it probably will pay off. Um, but if, you, if you're doing something for free or whatever, and you work a eight-hour day, and if you have a family and whatever, just literally whatever spare time you have is what you would spend on it. If you have time to cut an hour or something away out of your day to spend on it, spend, spend on that. You know? If it's something for free, you know, and it's just an experiment. That's great. Just whenever you have, whenever you have time, and only you know that. <laughs> but um, if it's something that you're you're looking to make money on and looking to transition out of freelance or, or even just the, the possibility of maybe this will allow me to transition out. Um, I would consider it to be a, a, like a product and a project, just like a client project. And I would not consider it a side project because then you'll have a whole mental shift and you'll be able to a lot more time to it. Cool. Absolutely. That's good. I like the, I like the sentiment that it's, uh, you know, just for your own like mental space, you know, don't think of it as a side project right away. 
give it a little more citizenship in your brain. Yeah. How did you approach uh, CSS tricks when you were doing, you know, Wufu and you were working at a, a, a con? Cons- there was some gray area, you know. It's not like it's not like during my workday I totally ignored CSS tricks and then went home and was like, now I can dig into my side project. But it was closer to it wasn't t- during the day when I worked at Wufu. I worked on Wufu for the most part, you know. Not that I wouldn't read CSS tricks emails or whatever, but I didn't just like in the middle of the day start deciding to redesign CSS tricks or whatever. Um, I just, I didn't, I just, I mentally separated them a bit. And when I had time that wasn't on that, I, I always had a little bit of a, a, an unfair advantage is that I am still a single dude who lives alone and, 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 and kind of <laughs> my whole day, you know, if I, if I want to dedicate 18 hours of work, I, I can do that if I choose to. Ooh, <laughs> Indeed. Right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I don't know. I just, I just, I worked on both, both things. I said this when you're on our show too, like CSS tricks is such a huge deal for the internet. And yeah, just thanks for making it all the people who got to. Oh, thank you. Still going. I wrote an article today that was uh, pretty hot drama. E about organizing JavaScript, which I really have no business posting about, but it was on my mind. So I posted it. Some hot drama in the comments. Anyway, let's do a... I think this one is pretty interesting from Andy Ford, just to see if any of you, either of you have ever heard of something like this. Okay, it's an audio question. Hey, guys. Thanks for the awesome show. This is Andy Ford in Sacramento, California. I'm looking for a full-time remote front-end developer position, and some job boards like Authentic Jobs and Stack Overflow Careers, to name just a few, do a really good job at letting you know which jobs are remote. But it would be really awesome if there were some magical master list of all the web design agencies and web product companies that hire remote workers. So is there any such magical list and any tips for finding remote work? Thanks a lot. Oh. Sounds like he needs to build a project <laughs> or a product. Yeah, team up with Patrick. <laughs> yeah, make that list. Yeah, that's why I brought it up because I think it's it's like it would be a fun thing to build, wouldn't it? You know, the ultimate list of like if you're a company that that hires remote workers, you should be on this list. Dang it! I'll, yeah, uh, I'll I'm gonna build it right now in Rails and deploy it to Heroku. I've never heard of such a list, but Andy Ford is looking for a job, everyone. And if you if you allow him to work remotely for you, you should get in touch with him. I don't know. I guess contact us, and we'll forward it to you. Otherwise, just I got to Google Andy Ford. Hopefully, we get the right guy. Maybe we could do a little uh, blog roll kind of thing on Shop Talk, like we hire remote workers or something. I don't know. That it's sounds like FordInteractive.com, so that'll get you to Andy. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, remember the build it with me? How do you do? How is that? Is that? I mean, it still is up and looks good. I don't know how how active it is anymore, but it's still there, right? Yep. People still use it. I had great aspirations for it. I had a version two, like eighty five percent done, like nearly after I launched. But then I had to move on to other things to make yeah. money. It's just I had never updated it. I still want to do something with it one day, but you know how it goes. When you got to pay the bills, you got to pay the bills. So your focus yeah. goes. 
I hope you do someday. I think we're gonna we're gonna help. We're gonna bring it back because we get these questions all the time on 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 Shop Talk. That's kind of like either or, or I even get emails. I gotta I gotta start remembering the URL. Build it with me. Build it with dot me. It's kind of like I have an idea to build a web app, but I don't. I need like the other half. Like I'm a developer. I need yeah. a designer. I'm a designer. I need a developer, which just happens all the time. Yeah, and that's why I met my buddy Amir, who I did dialogues with and a couple other things, and. Uh, it was nice. through build it with me. I was looking for I was looking for a developer for specific skill sets, and so I used the search there and, uh, and found so it's it. been useful. Yeah, it's a sweet UI too. Love it. Uh cool. Build it with dot me. Yeah. Anyway, a little plug for that. It's kind of one of Drew's projects from probably a number of years ago, but it's still totally awesome. <laughs> dude, that's yeah. amazing, dude. My yeah. first thing on the crunch was that. Wow. It's coming back though. It's coming back. Two thousand thirteen. <laughs> Whatever. I don't mind. Oh, let's do one more. We have one. This is the first time we've ever had a question from a previous guest ever. I think maybe. All right, here it is. It is from the illustrious Laura Kalbag, and uh, she's actually the like third highest listened to episode on Shop Talk. So here you go. Hi guys, it's Laura Kalbag here from the rather rainy UK. I've been pondering accessibility lately. It's still important, yet barely any designers and developers are talking about it. So I was wondering, do you guys have any top accessibility tips you could share with us? Ah, top. That gives like an award for best recorded. You know, like the like audio quality was high. Yeah, I feel like there's a story there with her accent. That was awesome. Yeah, uh, she's great. Do you guys have any accessibility tips that you abide by? I think I put it in here because you were thinking about doing a thing. Yes, Laura, uh, stay tuned because uh, if I magically have time and I'm (laughs) able to execute it, uh, I'm going to build a a website on this topic because for me, it comes from a personal pain point of – Accessibility is really important. It's really difficult to abstract any current information, and so I want it to be kind of micro-accessibility tips. I've bought a few domain names. I've created a few site designs, but nothing's ever stuck. But uh, the main thing I'm going to do is it's going to be up on GitHub, so all the posts will be you know kind of Jekyll style, and you can basically update. You know, If something's out of date, we'll update it. You know, community style and, and fix things. So that's kind of my. Um, that's current. cool. We're all, I, I can't wait. Yeah, I need what, to do hey, it. So. Like, what is she talking about? What are you talking about specifically when you say accessibility? Because it can mean so many different things. Yeah. So the, I mean, accessibility, like as a general uh, branch of user experience or subset of user experience, uh, that could be anything from uh, screen readers to uh, contrast, like for people with low vision, people with limited mobility. Uh, It could be, you know... Any number of disabilities, like... Yeah, I mean, that could... blindness. It could be a disability or... Seizure having... Yeah, or it could just be, you know, age. So, you know, uh, my my neighbor, Cleo, I, I cite her the most. I mean, she's 77. She's strong as a whip. She owns an iPhone... Like, but then there's some sites she's just like, eh, I can't read this. This sucks. And she's like, bounce. So, sorry for those guys. But just how try and look up on the internet, like, 
something about font size or something like 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 is there some kind of best practice for if if I want to make sure that this is readable for uh, the average people of this yeah, age? I guess, so good luck. You know. Yeah, I guess like it's to me like that kind of stuff is like unless you get into the the actual guys <laughs> and code stuff, it's so like common sense. Like, can you read this if you're worried about elderly or someone who like can't? Like who has poor eyesight, just put it in front of somebody you know that's like that, and say, "Can you read this?" Yeah, and then adjust. It's like well, but the, there's also like legal requirements, like being five hundred one or five hundred three C compatible, or WCAG two point triple A, and what does all that crap mean? And that's like serious business. You can get sued over if you didn't do it right. Like Target. Like Target, yeah, Target got sued. So. <laughs> I mean, and now there's mobile too. So now there's turning on voiceover type of stuff on your mobile device. That's a that's kind of a, a new world that I don't the great know. Thing with screen readers is they pretty much a hundred percent of the time work without any need uh, an assistance from the developer as long as you've done things you know outside of Flash. <laughs> uh, if you've done things in HTML, you're pretty good. I I think the only suggestion I would make is just make sure that. You're using proper tags when possible. Like if you're going to have like a lot, like a a heading, make it a heading tag. You know, if you're going to have a paragraph, make it a paragraph tag. If you have sure. a list, make it a list. Don't use, don't suffer from divitis and use divs all the time. Um, use like the appropriate tags, and then the screen readers are so well updated all the time that they're always on top of that stuff. Um, just like web browsers update themselves, screen reader browsers update themselves all the time, and they're able to keep on top with the latest HTML5 stuff even. So. Yeah, that's good. I, there's, there, I mean, it's, it's not that there's not tips to make it better or things that, that are easy to screw up that uh, you, you wouldn't think of or know of or anything. It doesn't mean that it should, should be more of that. I mean, it's so easy to screw up a form, for example. Uh, or, or there's, I, I listened to a presentation about a guy about navigation. How You know how for like for forever, when people think of to make a navigation, they're like, oh, you just make an unordered list and then you put a list item in it and then there are your navigation items and that's how you mark up navigation. Everybody does that. I'm sure there's a thousand people on earth right now with an HTML document open crafting a list just like that. And this guy's presentation was about how lists suck for navigation for screen readers because as you tab through them in his screen reader and he was demoing it, it was like list item. And then, and then the link, and then list item. As you tap to the next one, it would like announce that it was a list item. It means like, why is it? Why do people insist on making navigation and list? If it was just a nav tag with anchor links in it, you could tap to it, and it would just say the friggin' thing that you're linking to. And it's just a lot easier and less annoying to tab through. So that's a little like random accessibility tip from a guy who uses screen readers, you know. So yep. you don't be like I'm I'm Captain Semantic. I mark up all my lists and all my navigation and lists like you're supposed to. You know, people kind of pat themselves on the back for being semantic about that, and, but the actual experience of using that list is worse. Yeah, I always I always test um, my sites uh, because I'm more concerned about search engines. I just turn off CSS. You know, up in the top toolbar, you just turn off CSS. And check out your site. Does it make sense? Can you read it? You know, or use if you use Safari, use the reader button. Does it make sense? Um, if it doesn't make sense, it means you're not you're not coding things that are <laughs> uh, according to the standard or commonly uh, used. Because if 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 something like uh, 
uh, reader can't under, interpret it, um, then search engine probably will also have a hard time. Uh, if you turn off CSS and you can't understand what the crap is on your page, <laughs> you should restructure things. Um, yeah, those are good tests. And it's super easy to turn on voiceover uh, if, if, you, if you're working on a project where you want to see how it is. I mean, it takes a second and a half of your time to go turn it on and check it out. So you can you even set a key command, isn't it? With one of the F, it's like shift F eleven. Yeah, it's Turn like on. I forget it, but it's like command function control F five or something or F eight. Yeah, like but yeah, uh, yeah. Sure, F fifteen, F F ninety. Um, uh, I was gonna say, Laura. Like one thing you can do is make sure your sites tab navigable like you can just like cruise through everything on just using tab like all the links and stuff uh and then the yeah the bonus is if you actually run it through a screen reader and i i don't know i, I my hope with the site is that it, we're going to make accessibility accessible and that's kind of a really cheap slogan but the idea is that this stuff is kind of ridiculously hard or hidden kind of on the internet so how can we uh, kind of uncover it and make it kind of simple to use. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got a list of like 40 posts, um, I want written or will write myself, but, um, yeah, it should be pretty good. So that's all I got. Fantastic. Good show guys. It's nice having Drew's an expert in all things. No surprise really. I'm tool belt. <laughs> so Drew, how can uh, thanks for coming on? How can people follow you, give you money, use your latest products? How does that work? Um, do we have time for one more thing? Or we- oh yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Let's yeah, let's do it. The secret, secret, secret. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, I guess. Um, so <laughs> myself and Josh Long, who wrote the Execute book, are roping in my buddy Amir, who I talked about, who I mentioned, I found a builder with me, who built dialogues and a couple other things with me. Um, so we're kind of forming up. And this is the first time we've ever told anybody else about this. Oh, uh, Whoa, oh I got a sound hot effects. Comment, I got comment. a sound effects. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Say what you just said one more time. This is the first time we've ever told anyone. Okay. Okay. Definitely the wrong voice. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. okay. What is it? Okay. So we're going, we haven't like figured out a name for it yet, but it's going to be the execute brand. So it'll be execute something. We're going to come out with a quarterly publication. It'll be digital only, so basically like a magazine, right? But the there'll be uh, there'll be interviews with other executors in the magazine. Um, there'll be tips and other and other jazz like that. But the main meat of each publication is going to be a build. When I say a build, I mean an actual product build. So every quarter we're going to build a new product, and what we're going to do with that publication is we're going to write about the entire process from beginning to end and through the initial part of sales and give real numbers. But not only that, we're going to be filming everything. So we're going to have a mini documentary that will be in the digital publication. Part of that documentary will be released for free for everyone. The publication will cost a little bit of money to cover our costs, but uh, it'll be freaking sweet because we're going to have every quarter we'll have a new app that's going to be released into the app store and you'll get to see from the very beginning, the people that are a part of it before they start, you'll you'll be able to watch. Just like if you've seen the yes, documentary. working in public, man. I'm a big fan of this. Yeah, and behind able, the scenes. Yeah, you'll be able to get like tips on like what is the reality of selling apps and like um, how do things really sell and how hard is it really to build stuff. But the thing is, 
every single one of these builds is going to follow the execute philosophy, and they're going to take place from start to finish in two months. So it'll be a two-month build, and during that time, we'll record everything. And like I said, the sales afterwards, the bug fixes, the updates to the app, cuts, reactions, all that stuff will be filmed and will be documented and put into a quarterly publication. Um, so we already have the first team, actually the first two teams. We're and the start. idea for the app you're going to build? Yep. Is that a secret? That's a secret. Uh, I think right now it is. Um, I think it is right now, but we'll release details. I still have to make a site yeah, for this. you got to go on a different podcast and release that. One secret <laughs> for podcast. Yeah, secret for podcast. Um, no, so it'll be, it'll be super cool. So the Execute brand is going to be um, expanded. That is cool. That's awesome, man. Big fan. Exciting. Yeah, you're... So for right yeah. now, you can find, and you asked me where you can find my stuff, you can find my stuff, DrewWilson.com. Um, I'm at DrewWilson on Twitters, and I'm DrewWilson at Dribble. And uh, yeah, I just wrote called Spacebox, spacebox.io, if you want to check it out. Yeah, that's so, cool. I, I think I, bre- I glossed over that one. So let's do that for two seconds. It's, kind of, it's just accepting payments, but through through Stripe, right? So what does it give you that well, like that, that Stripe doesn't already be? Like Stripe is it's just an API, right? You kind of have to write your own stuff. So Spacebox gives you something on top of that. Yeah, people don't quite understand what Stripe really is, even developers. Um, it's API. And so if, if they even have this little checkout widget, but it's not really anything other than a button. Um, you have to code, uh, the code to create a form and take that in JavaScript and submit it to your server. Then you have to write the server-side code to then submit the form or the payment to Stripe and then write the code to do whatever needs to be done with uh, Stripe's response, right? Yeah, handle callbacks. Yeah, you don't really want to take the time to do that because it is time-consuming. No matter what you do, you have to code. If you use PayPal and you want to do recurring payments, you have to code. If you use Braintree, every single service you have to code. And so Spacebox is the no-code way to accept payments. With Spacebox, you just sign up, create a little form, like give it a name, give it a price amount, or set it to any amount, and you have this one-time payment paid. I even just launched uh, Spacebox Embeds, which is an embeddable widget, so you can have a little buy button on your site and a little widget pops up overlay, and uh, you can get payments through that. But then Spacebox, I just launched um, two days ago or three days ago a feature called uh, recurring payments, and this is what I've always wanted Spacebox to become, and it's finally out. Um, and with Spacebox, you can do those one-time payment forms, like I talked about, kind of like a PayPal buy buy now mm-hmm. button. You can also have recurring spaces where uh, you set up you set up the same same kind of way. You give it a name, you can get a header logo and a, and a background image for the, for the look and feel of the site, um, and then you set up pricing plans. Um, so you say, I want to have a plan that's called the basic plan for $9.99 a month and then a pro plan for $25.99 a month or whatever. And then you click save, and, and now you have this URL. People can go there, and it's and it says, hey, welcome to my space. And it gives the description you gave, and you can sign up, and they choose one of your plans. Sign up, and they can log in, and they can manage their membership as well. They get access to the content. And so from in the Spacebox app, you can update content like a blog. You can put in uh, blog posts. You can upload any file type. Uh, you can upload video and audio if you do that. It creates like a proper RSS feed. Um, and it uses HTML5 video and audio players. So you can sell subscriptions to a blog, to a podcast, to a video service. You can sell subscriptions to uh, music or digital file delivery like icons or fonts. Um, you can, and someone's actually 
has a gym membership. Uh, so you can just have someone go sign up and they don't have to see anything. They don't have to, you don't have to tell them any, like do any blog posts. They just sign up and they're getting charged monthly or yearly, whatever you set it up as, and they can go in and cancel at any time or change their plan at any time. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, writing code it automatically emails people and when they upgrade downgrade it lets you know lets them know if you delete a space it'll let all your members know that it's gone oh and you can view all your members every single one of the transactions all from within Spacebox. i heard it described as your own personal paypal like it's your, your... it's pretty good though i like it I, it's top notch so there you go spacebox.io and yep. uh and watch out for all the execute stuff. This is a very exciting, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so for having me. Uh, thanks everyone for coming out in the chat room and listening. Uh, sorry, I sounded like a robot to some of you guys, but deal with it. Sunglasses. <laughs> all right. And then uh, rate us up in iTunes five stars. It's just that easy. And follow us at Shop Talk Show uh, on Twitter. Uh, buy t-shirts at shoptalkshow.com slash store. I'm actually wearing a Shop Talk Show t-shirt right now. So I wore the t-shirt of the band I'm going to go see and I'm also in <laughs> apparently. That's a major faux pas. Uh, but I beyond think when that, it's double like that, it cancels out. Oh, okay. Good, good. Uh, is uh, and that that's exciting. We got an exciting uh, year. We're starting to plan out some episodes, so get ready. Mr. Chris, Tiffer. Mm, three, two, one, chopdogshow.com.